Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. You know, welcome everyone. This is a weird time. We are living in a really weird time right now. And sometimes it doesn't even feel real. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just like, is this reality? I mean, just this whole coronavirus being at home. This is the third week, uh, the start of the third week that I've been home here in Idaho trying to do self-quarantine and it's just crazy. And, you know, I'm hoping that this podcast will be able to entertain you, possibly kill some time, maybe give you some valuable information regarding the coronavirus. And so that's what I'm here for. And anyway, I just really, really appreciate you taking the time to tune in. I know I have kind of filled you in with my thoughts regarding the coronavirus, but please just remain to stay positive. Um, remember this will end there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I promise you 100% I promise you that this guy we have on the show today you guys are going to love him he's going to make you laugh you're going to smile on the show we have the famous Joe D'Angeli also known as New Jersey's Batman literally just go on to Google and type in NJ Batman and a bunch of stuff will come up this guy is just phenomenal. He's been working with animals for over 30 years and he runs a wildlife conservation center in Garfield, New Jersey. And right now he really is in the heart of what's going on with the coronavirus. The county he is in is one of the highest reported cases of the coronavirus. And so I talked to him live in the Wildlife Conservation Center in Garfield, New Jersey. Behind him during the interview, we have straw-colored fruit bats that are actually eating. So throughout the interview, you can actually hear the bats. And it's such a refreshing interview. And I just had such a good conversation with Joe. He always was, I mean, one of my favorite people I've ever interviewed on the show. If Joe sounds familiar, Joe the Batman, and you have listened to all the episodes, you'll know that I had him back on the show episode 45 during season one. But I wanted to invite him back on to talk about bats and the coronavirus and also talk about, you know, what life is like there being back east, being in the midst of just basically everything. We also talk about a variety of different topics, you guys. He, Joe gives his hilarious take on the Tiger King. We, you know, talk obviously about bats. We talk about the coronavirus. Joe, this is not confirmed, but in early January, he fell ill. And many of the symptoms, you know, including having difficulty breathing, um, you know, feeling really stuffy, um, just kind of fatigue, loss of appetite, many of his symptoms really correlate with what the coronavirus symptoms are. And so it's not confirmed, but, um, you know, pretty sure that Joe might have had the coronavirus early on. So he talks about what that was like. We also go into a variety of different topics, including, you know, animals in captivity, horse racing, the ethics of that. We, I mean, just a variety of different topics. I think Joe even talks a little bit about blackfish. I am going to put a slight disclaimer. I'm going to probably rate this episode a PG-13. Some of the topics we talk about might be a little sensitive for young children, especially when we talk about the wet markets in China and, you know, some of the abuse the animals go through. I'm just fully, I just want parents to be aware, PG-13, it doesn't get bad, but it, this might not be the best episode for really, really young ears. And, uh, but yeah, other than that, that's just a slight disclaimer. I'm also going to put a link to where you can watch the full interview on YouTube because I know you guys are going to want to see these bats behind him. 
it's awesome. And Joe, no offense, it was hard to pay attention to you half the time because the bats behind you were eating and then they were peeing at the same time. So Joe would be saying something and, you know, he'd be talking serious and then a bat would just, you know, urinate behind him. It was awesome. So anyway, Joe, I know you guys are going to love it. Before we get started, just a few things I want to mention. Animal Nights Live. If you had not had a chance to check that out, that is my new late night show and that airs every Friday night on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok at 10 p.m. Eastern or 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's my time here in Idaho. And we've had such a fun time with it. We're getting a great response. So check it out. It is a free way for you and your family to watch the animals and I to learn about some things, hopefully be entertained. I'm loving the feedback and I love doing it. I love hosting this kind of late night style program. I've been wanting to do something like this for years and you know, honestly, I'm happy I kind of took the plunge. And so please check that out. Once again, Animal Nights Live. It airs every Friday night. It's live at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern. Some of you have messaged me from around the world, like England. Um, and I also have some friends in Africa who were like, sorry, it's like 4 a.m. my time. And I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to tune in live. You can actually go back to my Instagram or my Facebook and TikTok and you can watch the entirety of those full live videos, but you have to watch it that next day because they disappear within 24 hours. So go ahead and check that out. Also, if you have not had a chance, make sure to rate and review the show. It really helps get our message out there on, you know, whatever podcasting platform you listen to, uh, mainly iTunes. Uh, we really like the reviews and I really want to read one. I actually just got this, this one um, from a user L Karas 87. I probably completely butchered that, but she, I just want to read this review because it was so nice and it completely made my day. So she wrote fun for all five star. Many animal podcasts get stuck in a rut and lose my interest. Not this one. Corbin is a great interviewer and is highly entertaining. He has a great variety of guests and asks the right questions to keep everyone engaged. Listening to the podcast is like hanging with good friends over a beer since I can't do that right now. Parentheses go away. COVID podcasts like this one have filled that void. Plus, I learn a little more in each episode. Nice job, Corbin 100 uh, emoji. Thank you so much. You know, reviews like that make everything worth it. They make everything worth it, you know, regarding the hours it takes to edit the podcast, to upload these, all the time that goes into it and effort to promote it on social media, to booking guests. There's a lot of effort that goes into the show that a lot of people don't realize. And I just want to say thank you so much for that review. That was amazing. Thank you. That just, ah, made my whole entire day. So thank you. Please make sure to leave your comments and a review like that one if you can top it. Like I said, it helps the podcast get out there. Please, if you do want to help support the show during this time, I will include a link, patreon.com slash animals to the max. It helps support the show and it goes to fees like web hosting fees and new equipment for the podcast. Anything really helps. I'll also include a link for our GoFundMe account for our animals, which we started doing to raise funds during this. Um, and I'm also going to provide links for Joe's organization as well, because they also uh, rely on donations and, you know, visitors to come in their center to take care of their bats. So I'll include links on how you can help out Joe and his animals. With that said, please welcome back to the show, Batman Joe D'Angeli. Joe, welcome back to the show, man. Corbin, great to be back. Nice to see you again, my friend, I, as always. You know, I feel really lame because I'm like, seriously, in my shot, I have this boring potted plant and behind me, <laughs> <laughs> you have bats. Explain what's going on. So we are uh, sitting and transmitting 
right now in front of our um, straw-colored fruit bat aviary. Uh, straw-colored fruit bats are in the megabat family. They're known commonly as flying foxes. And as you can see behind me there, uh, they're just hanging out as bats do. Um, we've got some daylight on so you could hopefully see them. On my end, it's hard to tell, but hopefully you you guys can see them on your end. They're a good-sized bat. You know, compared to our native bat species here in America, these guys are are much bigger. They have a three-foot wingspan. Um, they are about, oh, I'm going to say body size, like that big. They're okay. pretty big. They, they've got a good size on them, and uh, they're usually pretty active. But now we got some food in there for them, so they're quiet and they're eating, but you'll see them moving around back and forth. Yeah, and I, and I just want to say for listeners, if you are obviously you know tuning into the show, I'm going to put a link to where you can watch this on YouTube because – if you and by the way, if you are a hardcore fan, you will know that Joe actually came on the show back in season one. You were episode forty-five, and yes. uh, and you had bats behind you. And I'm so happy that we're actually going to put this on YouTube so listeners can see what's going on. And I oh, I love it. And and all those screeching and all those noises. It's it's not the it's it's not it's his part computer. Of the you know, they're quiet actually right now because they're eating and that's the only time they're quiet. But when they're waiting to get fed, I'm sure the other uh, aviaries will start, you know, picking up the smell because we've only fed the straws. Uh, as you heard, uh, the Egyptians will start squeaking. I think we were in front of the Egyptians cage last time. Yep. So today I figured we'd go in front of the straws. They're usually more animated, but of course... <laughs> Not today. <laughs> no, no, they'll come in and out of frame, I'm sure. Yep, and really quick, and I just want people to know that we're like, we are not at your house. You don't have bats as pets. You are a licensed facility in New Jersey. Can you go a little bit more into the Wildlife Education Center, Conservation Correct. Center? Correct, absolutely. So I started working with bats 25 years ago, and uh, at the time I was working, um, you know, both in the field and also working with bats in captivity. And then recently, in the more recent years, 10 years, we've only been uh, um, open to the public. So we actually have this great new facility in Garfield, much, much bigger than our old location. We currently house three species of Old World or Megacoroptera, flying foxes, fruit bats. Um, and uh, we also have a number of other species. We have all sorts of animals. So we're open to the public. When the public is uh, available again, you know, we'll, st we'll talk about that later, but we're usually open to the public. And then um, during the week, I'm out on the road. We take the bats um, to schools and libraries and nature centers, spoke at the Museum of Natural History, if you remember last time. Yes. <laughs> we, we're still doing it. We're still doing it. You know, the, um, the, the pandemic that we're experiencing right now is just kind of a... Uh, you know, it's it's a bummer, you know, that we don't get a chance to see the public like we do every weekend. But the animals don't care. They still want to get fed. They still, you know, want to interact with us. So our job has not stopped, although a lot of our income has stopped because we are not able to do shows and we're not able to, you know, bring our programs to schools. And uh, so we're re relying a lot on contributions and from merchandise sales and things like that. But, you know, we're still here. The animals are still here. Our audience is still here. And um, we're thankful to be alive and well. And um, I hope you and your family and your wife, everybody's doing well as well as your audience. And I hope uh, we can at least give somebody um, or give everybody a chance to just get away from the real world for at least, you know, 
a little while yeah. while we do our yeah, programs. And, and Joe, really quick, on Facebook, is it New Jersey's Bat Cave that they like on Facebook to watch your live broadcast, or is it the Wildlife Conservation Center in New Jersey? Yes. Okay. So just <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> you know what? Two minutes before, literally, we came on the air with you, um, I'm sitting here trying to figure out my Facebook thing. And what I realized is I'm using my personal page almost more than we do the actual Wildlife Center page. So you can find me on Facebook, uh, Joseph D'Angeli. It's D apostrophe A-N-G-E-L-I. Or just do a search for New Jersey's Bat Cave or the Bat Cave at the Wildlife Center or New Jersey's Batman. Batman. Either way. Trust me, you would uh, you'd really have to be in bad shape to not find us. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Yeah, you're a legend. And by the way, if you do want to learn more about Joe's back history, it was honestly I'm not blowing smoke. One of my favorite interviews. I've never laughed that hard like <laughs> during the interviews. And you were at the time you're preparing for your big gig at the natural uh, the Museum of Natural History. Um, please yes. check that out. That's episode 45, and it's available on all podcasting platforms. But Joe, let's just cut to the chase, man. I'm sure. happy that you're healthy because I tried to schedule this last week and you said you weren't feeling well. And you guys, if you are obviously familiar, New Jersey's right. I mean, you're right next to New York city. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah. in everything, and, man. And the town that our center is in Garfield, New Jersey, the new, the new center, um, our town has one of the highest positive cases of, uh, the coronavirus in Bergen County, New Jersey and Bergen County, New Jersey is, you know, 15 minutes outside of New York city. So, this is uh, it's it's serious. It's very serious. And we've taken it very serious. You know, at the beginning, the very beginning, you know, stages when people were first started finding out about it, you know, and they were like, oh, you're going to close. We're going to you know, everybody's going to tell you to close and you're going to, you know, keep people from coming in. And I was like, crap, bullshit. Oops, excuse me. I was, you're like, fine. <laughs> I was like, I'm nobody's telling me you're closing down. I'm not doing no. You know what? I have mouths to feed. I'm not closing down. And like a week later, I was like, closed. You sorry <laughs> for business. It, it's it's bad. It's really really bad. And Garfield has a a, a very high number of um, positive cases, and it's scary. It really is. But what's really weirder than that is that in January. Both I and one of my staff members, Anthony, got really, really sick with all of the, you know, um, symptoms. Uh, symptoms. Thank you. I was going to say side effects. All the <laughs> symptoms of, uh, of the coronavirus. We had, you know, the shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, fever, uh, body aches, all that stuff. And we just like, okay, it's cold and flu season. This was way before anybody knew about it and we flipped it back and forth to each other and then all of a sudden you know you read about it and then you hear about it and we were scratching our heads like um i think we had that but um i you know i just i still i i don't feel a hundred percent but i don't have a fever which is great um we had a couple i don't know if you saw my post yesterday i had a couple of the the little Zoomed digital thermometers for terrariums. You know the digital thermometers that yeah, come yeah. with a long, a long wire. So I had the probe in my mouth and I was <laughs> taking my temperature with one of those because we didn't have anything else. And I seem to be having a low temperature more than anything. My temperature has been between ninety six point five and ninety seven. So I don't have a high fever. You know, I just you know listen. You work around animals your whole life. You have allergies. You have asthma. You know, stuff like that plays into your everyday feelings. And like I told 
my staff and friends and Anthony, I feel like shit every day. So when I wake up and tell you guys I feel great, that's when you have to worry. <laughs> now, Joe, I mean, do you think, I mean, how long did you feel these symptoms? I mean, was it like two weeks, a week? You know what's weird? It was like, boom, we both, I got hit first. Okay. And I was like, oh, I don't feel well at all. And it was literally like, okay. And then the next day, could you stop? I have a guest tapping me here on the shoulder, trying to get my attention. Just say <laughs> hi real quick, and then you got to go. Hello. There's, there's Chi-Chi, the famous Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, look, there you are, right there. Hey, Chi-Chi. Chi -Chi. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, he's like a deer in the headlights. He's like, now what am I doing? <laughs> and this is a Bengal cat? This is a Bengal cat, yeah. And... Uh, We'll uh, we'll get to that later. But as far as getting back to the symptoms of, uh, of what we were feeling, I, I, I got, you know, feverish, uh, chills back and forth, body aches, you know, uh, joint aches. Um, uh, I don't remember being nauseous and I don't even remember. I do remember not being hungry. I remember oh. not eating for like two or three days. And, um, and all of a sudden, a couple of days later, I was almost back to normal. So I, it was literally in my system and I felt it for no longer than a, a week, I don't even think. And then Anthony got it and he had it less less time than I did. So do I know 100% if that's what it was? No, but it was in January and apparently it was here in January. We just didn't start hearing about it until a little bit later on, you know? Yeah, so I I, I was telling you that I was just in New York right before the news really. Well, I think it was kind of circulating. I was there mid-February for the um, for the Today Show really quick. And then, right. yeah, and then it just, everything hit when I came back. And it was just like, my God, I'm, dude, I was taking the subway system. I was all oh. around the city. I'm And I was in the Today Show, which is so, so many people go in and out of that studio. Oh, God. Sure. That, and, oh, God. It is like a surreal sci-fi movie when you see friends of yours, you know, right across the river, you know, posting pictures outside of their window when it normally looks like an infestation of tiny little ants running back and forth and there's nobody on the streets, no cabs. I mean, it's no like cabs. I, I guess there wouldn't like, be cabs. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so weird. You know, I, you know, I guess there might still be cabs and Uber and stuff like that, but people are being, you know, most people are starting to really be very, very aware that this is no joke. This is not, you know, well, let's go out and see how it is. No, you got to stay in until this passes. Otherwise, it's going to be even worse. And the numbers coming out of New York are just, you know, you know, horrific. It's really, you know, it's it's terrible. And it's, you know, obviously it's much more. The numbers are much more coming out of New York because of how, you know, really packed together New York City is and you know people are in touch with one another there's no social distancing on any regular day in New York City there are people touching you whether you want them to or not <laughs> I'm with you 100% you know exactly you know so like you know I learned early on in my musical days um I learned uh, about, uh, what do you call that, moshing, you know, being in a mosh pit. And it came into, you know, uh, it came into use later on in life as, you know, we traveled throughout Manhattan. And I just would start moshing to keep people away from me and just smashing into them. So now, 
you know, social distancing, and if that doesn't work, just start moshing. That's all, and people will be forced to to get away from you. Yeah, but I, it's, uh, it, I, I I make light of it because you, you have to try to keep your wits about you, because it's either you deal with it or you panic, and we do not want people panicking. Well, you at, know, at first, I mean, I'll tell you what: when you turn on the news every morning, it it, it would be easy not to panic because it's like, oh my! I mean, it's not. I don't know. I guess you just. I can't do it. You can't. I have. I have not. Every well, the first couple of days when it first was revealed, Mm -hmm. I would turn on the news because I'm I'm a big news guy. I even listen to Ten Ten Wins in my car because, quite frankly, I don't even know if there's a radio station anymore that plays good music. You have to. (laughs) You have to get satellite. You have to subscribe now. And I'm old school. I want to put on a button. I want to press a knob and hear my, you know, rock and roll. That you know, whatever. But I used to listen to Ten Ten Wins, and I got to be honest with you. You know, as a person who has suffered from anxiety for many years, um, you know, chronic anxiety. Uh, the news, the sensationalistic news. Okay, the everyday, you know. Uh, local st- stations are sensationalizing this. They are, you know, putting more fear into us. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not downplaying this at all. It is nothing to joke about. But I would wake up, put on the TV, and it would just be the worst case scenarios. There would be nothing positive, and I couldn't take it anymore. I was like having panic attacks at night, as are probably ninety percent of the population. And I finally said to myself. No more TV, no more news, I should say. I'm not listening to the news unless it's uh, Dr. Fauci. That guy is awesome. The little Italian guy that's always standing behind uh, standing behind the president trying to you know look over his shoulder. He's awesome and listen to the World Health Organization and the CDC. Both deal with you know these types of you know trans transmitted zoonotic transmitted viruses and pandemics so listen to dr fauci what he has to say listen to the world health organization and listen to the cdc don't listen to your local news station don't listen to hard copy don't listen to you know like the people that love to get ratings out of fear I think it's terrible. I think they should be drummed out of the journalism business because there is responsible journalism and then there is, you know, sensationalistic crap. And you know what? It's the crap that I don't want to hear. I want to hear the facts. If you tell me the facts, then I can deal with it. If Dr. Fauci says, you know what? We got to stay locked down in our houses and avoid contact with people for the next three months. And I promise you things are going to be better. I want to know that. I don't want to know that, you know what, this could potentially be another black plague. I don't want to hear <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing, but yeah, like it's not. No, it's, no, I agree. They're saying everything but that, you know. And the one thing I have to say in all seriousness, because you know I love to joke around. I usually can't go a sentence without making somebody laugh. But in all actuality, in all seriousness, through this whole pandemic – there I have, there's one person that I have to thank, and that's Joe Exotic. I was literally thought that you were going to thank me in some weird, like, and I was like, is he going to thank me in some weird way where I'm going to have to act like, I mean, oh my God. 
Joe, uh, you hit the I, nail I, I, on the I head. I will thank you later, but uh, more importantly, Joe Exotic, the, the one person, well, the one of many people in that series that has kept my mind off of the real insanity in the world is this series that everybody's talking about. And uh, I, I just, I don't even know what to say about it except thank you, Joe. Uh, I, I, you know, I just heard they're having, uh, they're releasing at least one more uh, episode and it's going to be, I think next week. No. And then, and then, you know, they're going to come up with, more because there's so much of that story to be told i mean i personally knew some of the players and i was like oh this is this is serious it just got real serious and it's going to definitely and for good reason it's going to definitely you know put a big big dent and eventually going to stop this you know big tiger trade and keeping big you know big cats as pets um, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and tell people they shouldn't have animal companions, but there are certain animals that make great companions for you at home. Um, tigers are not one of them. <laughs> I know. Uh, as you found out, if you watch the series, but it is entertaining and twisting and turning and it's, it's, it's almost as bizarre is what's going on in the real world right now. You it know? is. It is. And I want to say it's really touchy. And I did a podcast. It, I did a podcast, a roundtable discussion with my friends, Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast. And we go into that. And listeners, if you do want to check that out, I think we talked for an hour and 45 minutes because it does highlight you know, animals in captivity. And I really, we really talk about some things because there are people who are anti-zoo. There are people who are, who are anti-wildlife center. And, you know, some people who would look at your bats and say, oh, all the animals need to be free. And so I wanted to touch on that because I feel like it did not show a very great light or great representation of all the facilities, you know, around you the know, country. So absolutely. And we've dealt with the same issues where people, you know, that we thought were associated with PETA and, you know, other animal organizations came into our center and, um, you know, questioned things, you know, especially our old location. You were there. I mean, you couldn't fit three people in there. It was tiny, but it was all we had at the moment. And I did everything I could do. And we got into a place that's much, much larger, and the animals have much bigger exhibits now. <clears throat> and we were able to do what we could do to make sure that the animals were well taken care of, and we got them into bigger aviaries, and we're even expanding even more now. So here's my take on the whole thing. Everybody involved in that show, Tiger King, came off as insincere, you know, complete, like, ill-educated morons under the guise of being educators. They kept saying how they were educating and conserving wildlife. Well, conserving wildlife isn't breeding a tiger and keeping it. It's breeding a tiger and releasing it back into the wild. Okay, now some people will say, well, you can't do that. Well, I have to argue with you because it can be done. Wild animals can be released back into the wild. Um, why they're not doing it, I don't know. Maybe because poaching is still going on. But everybody involved in that show is an animal exploiter, is an animal breeder, including Carol Baskins. <laughs> How do you 
you're going to attack Carol? My God, people are scared of Carol. I've Listen, oh. she, you know, I feel terrible about what happened to her in her past. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen the show. Um, she went through, you know, some tough times when she was young, and it obviously affected her. Uh, if you could. You could tell it affected her just by her wardrobe, but the, 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 all right, I'm not going to pick on the lady's you know choice of dress. I mean, you're talking to a guy who wears you know Batman caps his whole life, but um, you know she there's proof. I mean, this video that when she got started in this all, she was buying exotic cats breeding exotic cats, selling exotic cats, and then also, you know, opening up, you know, her home in, into a, um, I don't even know what to call it. It was a, a sanctuary, but it also, you know, people could take pictures with the animals and all that stuff, you know. So what I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, Corbin, what I think is if um, Carol Baskin would have come out in the show and said, yes, I did breed cats back in the day. Yes, I did sell some back in the day. But guess what? I realized that was wrong. And now my center is dedicated to ending big cats in captivity and giving the ones that need a sanctuary a sanctuary. I admit I was wrong. I grew up. I, I am sorry. For what I did, and I think that would have been it. Well, hold and on, Joe. Hit- I, I have to. I have to say though, because you and I both have done, and I remember a really funny story, which I want you to actually retell for people who have not listened to it in episode forty-five. But, Joe, we all know with with TV, sure. you could talk and talk, and I mean, it's up to the the production company and the and the producers. So I guarantee you, and I'm not sticking up for Carol. I'm trying to be Switzerland on this, but I'm sure, sure at some point that she mentioned something about how she changed her ways. I actually had someone who still works with Carol reach out to me on Instagram and say, listen, Carol's the sweetest person. And she has recognized her ways that, you know, they were wrong and she's seen the light. And now she wants to dedicate her life to, you know, cat rescue. And I'm, and it's the way I think Netflix made the documentary. It's compelling. There's twists, there's turns. And even you said, I mean, you've done documentaries before where you've, wasn't oh, there, yeah. wasn't there a Thank show they you? hand you a script. Oh yeah, they said, "Oh yeah, yeah no." You know, I was like, "Listen, um, you know, just uh, you know, let me know what you want to talk about." Oh no, don't worry, we're going to send you a script. I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is supposed to be an interview. What, what kind of interview has a script? You know?" But um, you know, listen, uh, there's so many twists and turns, Corbin. It, it's not just the fact that she sold cats and made videos on how to care for wild cats, big cats in captivity. But we're also forgetting one major, major component. And again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to be, you know, spoiler. So, but, you know, her husband did disappear. Okay. (laughs) So, um, you know, you got a lot of stuff under one roof. And by the way, just for the record, uh, when O.J. Simpson is making fun of you on Instagram, you are in bad shape. 
Oh, I'm with you too, because he came out and said Carol fed her husband to the tigers. He he came right. out and was like, and yeah. So when OJ said that you're guilty, you're right. Wait, what you need to do like a check, and I mean, yeah. That when, when OJ is not on your side, you might want to move or I, switch careers you know, or something. You know, it's and and he's just a gross individual, but it was a little tiny bit of like weird zen like oh my god uh did he does he think we all forgot about him like we're gonna sit there and go hey oj good to see you thanks for putting in your two cents yeah, you know I, you know and joe i don't the, and i'm sure she's getting a lot of backlash and i know that carol has spoken out against netflix and how they you know portrayed her at you know a certain way the thing is though when you do these projects you sign on for this and i know you don't I, you know i mean you, uh, I mean, when you sign a deal, you literally sign your life away to these. I mean, you could and they could manipulate right. it any way you want. That's why it's so when you do do entertainment, you have lawyers that look over contracts to make sure. I mean, there's right. a lot of stuff that goes into it. But and none of those players, none of those people on any of those episodes were new to the media game. Everybody had been in the media. Everybody had been interviewed. She has how many millions of followers, but she's already been on TV shows. So everybody knows that, you know, when a TV show, a camera crew takes footage of you and you may say, uh, could you do me a favor and maybe leave that part of me falling down the stairs out? You know that they're going to put that in. You use mine as well. You know. <laughs> I just, so, I did, Joe. They did this, so I did this really, really quick. My first media interview I did back in the day, where they used me as an expert, it was for Inside Edition, and it was years yeah. ago. And I was commenting. Remember when Nat Geo or National Geographic was going to have a special where that guy was going to be eaten alive by an anaconda? Oh, my friend Paul, absolutely. Oh, you know Paul? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You we know have, Paul? We still, have, we still have one of his snakes when he you know, packed up and, and, and you know, he's from like literally a few towns away what? here in Jersey. And he and his wife had a ball Python named Loki. And when they, de- you know, devoted their life to the rainforest, he said, can you please take Loki for us? And, uh, yeah, Paul, Paul has been, you know, promising and I'm calling him out right now, Paul Rosalie, you promised to come on our program well we don't have a program we just have a location but he promised to appear here and do a book signing by the way his book um i think it's called mother of god um because that's the name of the area in the um uh, rainforest where he goes mostly madre de dios and i think uh, mother of god is the name of his book it is amazing it's an amazing read he's an amazing guy and contrary to the whole stunt of getting swallowed by an anaconda he does amazing work in the rainforest. He even said, I did that stunt to get people to tune in. But it, because if you tuned in, in between the commercials, like in the commercials, were like pro-rainforest activism commercials. And he said, I did that show just to get people to watch the show and understand how bad the rainforest is in danger of being almost extinct in certain areas. Yeah. Um, I've known Paul for many, many years, but I didn't mean to cut you off. So go ahead. You're fine. I just remember they were like, what's your opinion? I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I was like, but but he was using it just like any good journalist will use a stunt 
to further their career. I mean, for God's sakes, Evil Knievel tried to jump over the Snake River Canyon. Here, here. He's my hero. That's by you, right? He, right right by us. We, we literally crossed the bridge over uh, in Twin Falls, Idaho. It's two and a half hours away. And every time we cross the bridge, my wife is like, I cannot believe Evil Knievel did this. He knew before he started that jump that he would never make it. The only thing he tried to do is save his life. But he knew that by just attempting it, Everybody in the world was going to tune in. And that's what happened. And he was my hero. So Paul did something silly. We all knew the anaconda. Anybody in the animal field knew that no anaconda is big enough to swallow a human being. We're, we're all aware of it. We've seen the, the stories. We've seen the alleged photographs. But as far as what I know, physiologically, I don't think there's a snake big enough that can swallow or get past our shoulders. I would, I would totally disagree with you on that. I think there are exceptions. <laughs> yes, but I, but I think it is very, very rare. I think it's right. something super, super rare. Um, and, and the I, ones that you see the photos of on oh, on, people. on the internet, yeah. that's totally faked. That's totally faked. I, I know there have been absolute um, cases of where young children, small children may have been eaten, but a full-size adult... I don't know of any snake that that could get our shoulders down their throat. That's pretty damn big. I would you, say you think, you think it's possible. One hundred percent. I would say with the reticulated python and African rock python anaconda, one hundred percent. But I don't think it's like a common. I think this is like a. Right. You know, I don't. And and a lot you of the think people. It's yeah, and I, I do. I but a lot of the people are, that are attacked are children or the elderly. The same with like wild animal attacks. I mean, really, even yes. tiger attacks. Um, and, and it is incredibly rare. But no, back on to how the media miss because I was doing this interview for for Inside Edition when Paul was being eaten by the anaconda. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I told the producer, I was like, wait, can you not say that? Because I really don't want to make Nat Geo mad because I really am trying. <laughs> and they're like, uh huh. <laughs> And then, and then uh, sure right. enough, I tune in and it's like, this is ridiculous. And that's all they took of me. <laughs> On the commercial. No, Coming seriously. Up. This seriously. is ridiculous. ridiculous. And I'm sitting there, I was like, this is ridiculous. And then they like, yeah. and that's like all they use. But yeah, so that was, sorry, that was like a long story. I know we like both intercepted. But um, yes, the media can misinterpret, you know, anything yeah. you really do. So And and, and she, she had to know going in there. I mean, they... I did, you know, if you just go on YouTube now and and search Tiger King, you'll see all the stuff that was related to anything having to do with that program, including, you know, the original producer that turned into a crackhead that had all of his video stuff burned down. He's you know, a crackhead that guy. now? I didn't know oh. that. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, obviously <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> you mean he does drugs? Did you, did you just assume everybody in the big cat field and in Florida had no teeth? Come no, on. I was thinking meth, not crack. But anyway, that would be my... A crack meth? I, I don't, I'm not sure there's a difference, but I also yeah. am sure that they probably didn't turn either one of them down. No. And there's a whole series on him and what happened to him and how he fell oh. into the drug addiction. You have to see. Did you see the pictures of him when he was on Inside Edition? No. Um, with what's his name? Um, that famous uh, um, political. Um, oh, what's his name? He's got his own show, uh, like Fox News. Uh, that political uh, guy, older gentleman. I can't remember. Not his Anderson name. Cooper, because he's on CNN. He's not Fox. No, no, no. <laughs> not him. Uh, uh, the guy. He was one of the guys that was. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. What? He, he was 
Inside Edition when Bill O'Reilly was on it. And that guy that had all of his original um, footage burned up in the fire, that guy was on Inside Edition and he looked like a like a like a supermodel, typical, you know, um, figurehead for a TV show. And I and then I see him and I'm like, oh, somebody hit the wall hard, you know. So yeah. it was. A, it, so there's a whole bunch of other stories, um, including the real, you know, the real guy who produced the flick, how he's done videos for Nine Inch Nails and the guy that you see at the beginning that's interviewing. And I find this very, very interesting. And I know you may you may disagree with me, but why didn't they mention a certain uh, notorious uh, illegal animal smuggler in the very beginning? Why didn't they mention him by name? They showed him on film. Oh. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So there was a certain notorious animal smuggler that basically is responsible for every bearded dragon in this country and going to jail for illegally smuggling animals. He was in the very first part of this Netflix series. And believe it or not, the series was supposed to, supposed to basically stay on him. And then all of a sudden, remember, they went to the guy in the hat. He had like a snow leopard in his van. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. And the producer admits that the show went from one completely different idea to what it turned out to be. So there's so many twists and turns. I can't understand. Like I heard some people say, oh, I, I got through one episode. It made me sick. I couldn't watch it. I was like, what? I've watched the entire series three times so far. And <laughs> I was just- you know? It's like Jaws. I've seen Jaws like 270 times, and I still can watch it every time it comes on like AMC or something like that. It's just it's it's sensationalistic, but it shows you how warped the real world could be, especially the real world in exotic pet trade. It you is. Know? Yeah, I don't. It did not paint a good light for, you know, people using animals for education. I know you and I don't use, you know, tigers. I mean, I, I've worked with tigers before. Very briefly, I did a segment with, with tiger cubs, but it's it wasn't a common occurrence. But it's I, – oh, I love how bad just pee behind us. It's awesome. It's going to be good for ratings, Joe. Um, <laughs> on the glass. When it goes right on the glass, it's great. Yeah. I clean right before it, too. They um, always do that. Yeah, well – like, oh, what? Cage looks great. How's this? And then they pee and poop all now, over everything. By the way, did you take my advice from last time we talked about putting construction paper on the glass every night? <laughs> Joe! That's how we did it at the zoo. It seriously cleans up. It's good for cleaning. Listen to me. Go ahead. I'm, I'm starting to believe some of the conspiracy theories about the coronavirus and how it has something to do with 5G towers and not animal viruses. And I think it's either that or I've, I've slightly, I've caught a slight 24 hour uh, case of, of, of uh, dementia or Alzheimer's <laughs> because I just remembered that you told me that as you told me that. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, cause you were like, that's such a good idea. That's but, a great idea. Um, okay. Hey, so, hey, Take that down. Anthony, write that down. Put uh, that case paper inside the windows from now on. But there's, you know what? 
to, we clean the cages for you because we literally haven't touched them for a week because there's no reason to. There's no visitors. And just so people don't think we're abusing animals by not cleaning their cages, it's even in a bat husbandry manual. Clean the cages as little as possible so you don't stress them out. Oh. Now, our bats are far from stressed out because they were all born in captivity. Okay, they've never seen Madagascar or Africa except in the movies when they watch TV. <laughs> all of our bats, all of our bats were either born here or came from zoos. And they were, you know, generously donated uh, to us from zoos. So that's that's the difference, you know. Like our bats know humans more than they do, you know, other bats. So ours couldn't be released back into the wild, you know? But I kind of believe there are instances, like they say, with animals that are deeply wild, like wild cats and, and raccoons and things like that, that if you, if you release them back into the wild, they can revert back to their wild instincts very, very quickly when they are forced to survive. The problem is most people don't want to release them back into the wild because they've grown attached to them and because also it, with the fear of there's still poachers out there. Did you hear that statistic? There's more... There's more tigers in captivity in the United States than in the entire world in the wild. That, I thought, was, like, mind-boggling, you know? So I don't know. I don't know whatever is going to happen. You know, they have that big cat act that they're supposed to you know, push through that's going to stop people from owning privately these big cats. And uh, who knows if it'll ever go through? You never know. You know, I mean, some of those people were pretty scary. And every one of them, every one of the people, every one of those big cat owners owned firearms. And I'm not oh, talking they about, did. Yeah, you're I'm right. not talking about BB guns either. They had they had militia type stuff, you know? It yeah. was crazy. There yeah, that, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, definitely it is something if you want, if you're interested, check out Tiger King and then also check out our roundtable discussion podcast we release with our thoughts. But Joe, I want to bring the conversation back literally back to bats because when this first came out with this whole coronavirus, you know, there were a lot of rumors going around. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that pangolins, the scaly mammals, were the carriers yep. of this virus. A lot of people mm -hmm. blamed bats. Some people early on thought turtles or snakes. And I actually did a factual, well, I tried to do a factual video about this. I did an IGTV, you know, talking about how scientists believe, you know, pangolins were the carriers. And I got, you know, some backlash from people saying, hey, it has not been scientifically proven. And so there's a lot of back and forth. Now people are sure. accusing bats. And I went on your Facebook and I loved yep. this because you posted an article that, that I think it was CNN did something that said, leave bats alone. They're not responsible. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it's funny. It, it, they posted that, you know, after we had made a few posts about, listen, you know, um, there are certain things in the world that you do not eat. OK. And I understand in third world countries where there are people that are starving and dying and they have to just eat whatever they can. China is not a third world country. OK. They have choices. They have McDonald's. Have a Big Mac. OK, you know what I'm saying? Like have a 12 piece McNuggets. But what happened is they have these wet markets that they call them where they sell live and dead wild exotic animals. And in parts of Asia, you know, they have um, deep rooted beliefs 
and deep-rooted, you know, uh, um, ways of doing things, okay, and things that eat that are supposed to bring fertility and, you know, supposed to give you, you know, a, 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 a bigger, you know what I'm trying to say. You know, everything, everything in Asia, is, you know, is supposed to give you a, a bigger private oh. part. So, <laughs> Should I mention we were named one of the best kids podcasts, Joe? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, that's I'm why kidding. I said private parts. Private you know? parts. Um, Afro, also, aphrodisiac. No, not aphrodisiac. Aphrodisiac. Yeah. Af- I mean, okay, afro. You're yeah, right. But, yeah, okay, aphrodisiac. Af- aphrodisiac is something that, you know, puts you in the mood for love. And, you know, they seem to believe that everything from, you know, eating, you know, venomous snakes Mm. to bats and to, of course, the worst case scenarios, rhino horns and shark fins, and the methods at which they collect shark fins are nothing short of despicable. And before we start screaming racism and stereotypical, you know, stuff like that, you know, I'm not making things up here, okay? Asia has been the country where most of the numbers of pandemic diseases, especially zoonotic viruses, have come from. So I'm not, please, you know, I mean, I am far from being a racist here. I'm telling you the facts. And speaking of which, another thing, if if you want to watch something and you're... You're you're not the anxious type because I know a lot of people like me with anxiety. They don't like to watch things about what's going on. But then you have the other side of people that do want to be informed. And let me tell you this, and I think it's also on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it, Corbin, but what an absolutely amazing show, series, documentary series called Pandemic. I don't know if you've watched it I yet. I haven't yet. Let me tell you something. Watch the first couple of episodes it will include bats. It will tell you the exact situation about bats and how they were, um, you know, uh, attached to Ebola and also SARS and uh, the coronavirus outbreak. And also they were attached to primates. And this goes to show you that people like myself that were studying the larger megabats for so long believed that megabats, the larger flying foxes, are more closely related to primates, monkeys, apes, and human beings, which is why the jump from the host to another host animal and to humans happens on occasion. And when it does, boom, here's what we have now. There was bats being sold in the wet markets in China, in this Wuhan section of China. There were pangolins next to them. The the tables are disgusting. They are covered in blood, feces, and urine. The cages are on top of one another, and they are dripping blood and feces and urine onto one another. And then people take these animals home and chop them up and make food out of them. And then, of course, if it is an animal that is capable of carrying zoonotic disease, a disease that is transferable to humans, there's where you get your next pandemic we from. have to we have to stop this not only is it unsanitary and this has caused this global health problem but it's just when you look at the way the animals are treated i mean i'm just like when you look from an animal welfare standpoint and people yeah. online i was reading national geographic posted something where people were horrified because and i have not seen the videos i i literally can't watch them but of bats being boiled alive in 
like in soups and it's like i and i understand we have i understand here in the states we have factory farms i get it we have some places that are really (laughs) despicable i get it and i know I, i know that there are a lot of other places but it's just the way that some of these exotic species it's just it's so heartbreaking and it's just yeah. It's, Cause you know what happens the next, the next thing is, and I get this sometimes, not all the time, uh, but I get people that come in that are vegan or vegetarian mm-hmm. and they say, how could you eat meat and call yourself a conservationist? And I'm like, I don't have an exact answer except I was raised by a family, you know, Italians. We love everything. We love our food. We love cooking. And my father was a restaurateur and I was raised in a household uh, that ate meat and ate, you know, basically whatever we could eat. As long as it was legal, we ate it and we enjoyed food very much. So I don't have an answer to that. But there are a lot of people that will scream you're a hypocrite if you say you're a conservationist, but you eat meat. And I'm like, well, you know, until they pull the plug on on serving meat, it is legal. You know, there are slaughterhouses. They claim to do it humanely or as humanely as possible. Um, I, I don't know what to say about that. You know, maybe it is a little bit hypocritical. You know, I will tell you this. If I was forced tomorrow, if there was no more shop rights or no more Walmarts or anything that had meat or, you know, served any kind of, you know, uh, um, uh, carnivorous food if i was hunt if i was forced to hunt for food i would probably join the ranks of the vegetarians and the vegans because but i i couldn't you know i couldn't kill an animal yeah. for myself but joe here here's the, here's the difference though i mean yes i mean and i also eat meat too we try to get it sustainably Sure. But here's the difference, though. We're not eating endangered species, and a lot of the animals found in these wet markets or wildlife markets are endangered species, or they're threatened, or they're illegal. Totally and- right. All flying foxes are protected by the CITES Treaty. You know, pangolins are one of the most endangered animals in the world and the most protected, and there they are making you know stew out of them. I mean, what what is it? So is it, and I, I'm not laughing. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to laugh. You. I just like. I'm just, it sucks. Pangolin stew sounds funny, I know, but it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's the truth. It's true, and, and though, yeah. It's, um, you know, we have uh, um, the United Nations for a reason. It's so that we can all come together as one planet and figure out what's best for our planet, okay? So every country has a delegate or several delegates, and, you know, they, they try to figure out what's best for this world, you know? And one of those things that needs to be discussed is this, you know, horrific practice of these wet markets and eating these, you know, regulated animals. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You're fine. Every time you cough, don't you feel like you have to apologize now? I know. No, I know when I'm happy that I'm on Skype, to be honest with you. I, you know what? I, I start sneezing and I feel like I, I have to go to confessional. It's like... Uh, I, I'm around 100 animals here, okay? I, I'm, I deserve a cough or a sneeze, you know, every once in a while. And I'm like, I'm waiting for somebody to come out and be like, social distancing, put your mouth in your elbow, you know? <laughs> I'm going to keep this in. I think it's the funny part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 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 you know, getting back to the UN and stuff like that, there needs to be laws. Um, you know, it's so crazy. Like, 
on this one subject we're talking about, my mind is going in a million different directions because, you know, you hear all sorts of conspiracy theories, you know, and I heard everything from this was a retaliation, a bio weapon sent to us from China because of all the tariffs and taxes that Donald Trump wanted to put on China. And it's I mean, that they was ha- true. Well, they, they have come to- out, though. I just want to note, though, because in Nature Medicine, I think, magazine, they did publish a report that they have found this was not a bio uh, a biochemical weapon. They did find that out. They have confirmed, which is good. Signed the president of China. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were. Were they Chinese scientists? <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry. Any of your Chinese listeners, I want to tell you how much I love your country and I love your culture and they have you know the most beautiful people in the world so please don't think i'm well, anti you know, Joe, and- i'm just i just want them to realize that you know this is putting the world in jeopardy and you know most most of the chinese people are wonderful incredibly intelligent well-educated people and they need to teach the people that are doing this and buying this and eating these items that this is as you can see something that could be a potential end to our species now and joe and i just want to say that this is not all of china i mean in some of the more established cities people don't eat animals like this it's just certain parts of this country and Yeah, but I've even seen. How about those videos you've seen of you know the the um, you know the, the the places in in Japan and China where they stick they skewer a live little octopus uh, on a stick and then eat it while it's wiggling around. Uh, like, are you kidding me with that? And I mean, and that's not hearsay. It's not a, a, an internet rumor. You can see it. Yeah. Like, and you know that that are the big dope. And I'll call anybody out that I want to by name, and I don't care if you post it or not, that other big dope made a living out of this. That Andrew Zimmer oh. guy from from that, that uh, what was the name of that TV um, show? Bizarre went, Foods. Bizarre Foods, where he went around and he basically you know, went to places for entertainment purposes and for his ratings and went to places where people eat this kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't. And then he just recently went on an interview and tried to, um, he, he tried to justify his job and what he was doing. And I'm like, that's a load of crap, bro. Cause you took part in it too, in a lot of the episodes, yeah, you know? And I 100% agree with and you. He encouraged, I, I, he encouraged it. And look, you know, societies like China and certain parts of uh, localities, they do have their old traditions and their old way of doing things. But we have to also educate them that, okay, this may be your way of doing things, but it is dangerous to the human race. You cannot eat certain things that carry diseases that can be transmitted to us. I mean, you know, uh, you know, look, we know that eating chicken, you can get salmonella. So, you know, they might say, well, then you have to stop eating salmonella. But, you know, where does it all end? Chickens are raised. They're not endangered species the last time I checked. It's the endangered species and the animals that are vectors for human zoonotic disease that ones that that we really have to put an end to to eating, especially the endangered species. But and China, Japan have have not been necessarily known for playing by the rules when it comes to, you know, you know, harvesting animals. No, you know? not at all. And Joe, I want to say that article on CNN is saying don't blame the bats because it's like 
in a perfect world, I mean, bats would never be around humans. I mean, but with with habitat destruction, with putting right. them in these in these wet markets where they're in these awful conditions and they are interacting with animals they never would interact with in the wild ever. Nope. That's what happened. Nope. So we, we caused it. We wouldn't, come in, we wouldn't contact. We wouldn't come in contact with them either if we didn't take away so much of their natural habitat. You hit it right on the head. The other thing is, we all have virus in us. You know, humans have virus, animals have virus, and you can't blame the bat. It's just a natural occurring thing. They don't die off from it, and we don't die off from the common flu usually as long as we're healthy. But we do have to take the blame for, you know, uh, treating them the way they do in the wet markets and also for eating them. So it is not the bat's fault, but it's such a shame because – you know, we took such a, you know, a bunch of steps forward and all those lovely, cute, you know, adorable videos on Facebook of the baby flying foxes wrapped up in the blankets with the little baby bottle nipple in their mouth being raised by these fantastic people in Australia, saving the flying foxes from those devastating fires. Some flying foxes lost an entire, you know, species. Um, it, it was just horrible. But we were making such strides forward. And then to have this, you know, it was like getting kicked back 20 steps. But the one thing I learned is <clears throat> days after they announced how it happened, our phone was ringing off the hook. We are having visitors in until I had to physically say, all right, everybody, we have to close up. I'm so sorry. We just don't want to chance it. And not only do we not want to chance getting you sick, we don't want to chance our animals getting sick either, you know. So, you know, don't forget, you know, these animals can get diseases from us. So we have to care about them as much as we care about the public that comes through our doors. Are, are, <clears throat> yeah, I just I are you I'm just trying. It's so easy to get nervous. And I know that like, and I, I would even just, you know, my my wife and I talking because we both have businesses where we rely on, you know, people and, you know, we have a we have a wine tour business that relies on tourism and I work with animals and I, you know, do educational <laughs> outreach shows and it's that's been cut. And I know we're all going in it together. I mean, are you nervous at all? Or do you think it's just like, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because you have an education center where people come and you rely on people visiting. You rely on admission tickets. So so don't forget what happened here in New Jersey last year. In New Jersey, Nosey's Law was passed. So we almost became um, we almost became history when Nosey's Law was passed. What is, but they what re- is, what, what is Nosey's so Laws for someone who doesn't know? Nosy's Law was, was actually named after a famous um, elephant, Nosy, um, that was taken from, I believe, a circus. I don't know which one, so I don't want to say which circus, and put into these, you know, terrible, terrible conditions in, you know, private ownership and was just, you know, uh, just a horrific sight. But Nosy was an elephant, and they came up with this law in New Jersey. Governor Murphy passed a law that basically stated that there will be no more circuses coming into New Jersey. There will be no traveling circuses with animals for uh, entertainment purposes, which means for you to ride on, for you to laugh at, for you to giggle at. Nosey's Law prohibits that. And I'll be honest with you, I stand behind it. But at first, we did not, because the way it was originally worded by the congressperson um, or the senator, whoever started it, 
the way it first was worded, it was worded is like every exotic animal would be prohibited from traveling into or within the state of New Jersey, which let me explain to you, would it have made it illegal for you to take your pet bearded dragon to the veterinarian? So they had to reword it. So I'm part of an organization called the Nature Program Cooperative, which is a big group of all the local nature centers and local zoos. And we all get together and we talk to the legislators that are writing these laws and we say, hey, listen, you, you we agree with you on the whole elephant thing, you know, that we don't want to see elephants in chains. We don't want to see elephants getting hit by whips to make them do tricks. We don't want to see camels being ridden on for your entertainment. But you have to understand the way you worded it would stop our businesses and would not a zoo could not take an animal and go on the Tonight Show or go on, you know, a, a program in your state or, you know, in any other state. So it would have put a stop to our business. Absolutely. But it also would have put a stop to Turtleback Zoo. It would have put a stop to uh, the Bergen County Van Son Zoo. Great people, all of them doing wonderful things. So they did rewrite the law and um, passed it through. Um, but it, it exempted legitimate places of education and conservation, which we luckily fell into. So we were very fortunate, and I am thankful that we're a part of this cooperative. And um, the other ways of going about it are getting accredited, you know, by a zoological group like the AZA or the AAZK, the American Association of Zookeepers. You know, anything, um, you know, that that gives you credit, you know, uh, you know. Charging people $35 to take a picture with a tiger is not education or conservation, unless you're taking $34 out of that $35 and sending it to, you know, um, the Wildlife Conservation Society or, you know, the animals, the, you know, the organizations that are working to conserve the animals in the wild, like Bat Conservation International. So when we can't always get out in the wild to show people bats and to teach them about bats, we donate ourselves to Bat Conservation International, to local bat rehabilitators. Um, but most of our work is done through educating the public. We go to hundreds of schools, libraries, nature centers, museums, science centers, stuff. You know, it's endless. Um, uh, but here's, the, here, here's something interesting. Think about this one. Let this one roll around in your head all night, Corbin, because I know you love animals as much as I do. And everybody out there, think about this one, too, because I'm in the tri-state area and New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. We have a lot of casinos and things like that. So we put we passed Nosey's Law through. So you can't ride an elephant for entertainment and you can't, you know, uh, pose with a tiger. You can't even handle potentially dangerous species in New Jersey. You can't take pictures with them. You can't feed them. So we have to do things like give people, you know, a piece of fruit on a stick so that they can stick it through the bars of the cage and the bats will gently take it. And people love interacting with them that way. And I love it too. And it's great because like I said, all of our bats are born in captivity. There's zero chance of any illness like, you know, what we're seeing out there. Um, but here's an interesting thought. Wrap this one around your head. They passed Nosey's Law through, so you can't ride an elephant, you can't ride a camel, you can't bring them in to the state, they don't want it as part of the state, but yet horse racing 
is still legal, where a guy can sit on a horse's back and hit him in the ass with a stick until he runs as fast as he can, almost to the point of a heart attack. Where, where is that? Where does that make sense? You know why? Because too many people are making money off of it. Yes. You're, you're I, speechless. You're I, speechless. For the first time in my life, I'm speechless. Um, I... <laughs> Because it's true, isn't it? I, I've never I just, realized it because we don't – I never even thought of that. And I don't – I guess that's so naive. I never I, – yeah. We have, have a point. Some of, we have some of the biggest horse racing tracks around here in New Jersey, in New York, in Connecticut. I mean – Could someone argue I, because horses are domesticated? I mean could someone argue that? I mean I still don't I – mean, You God, know what? I don't want to take there on the is, horse racing industry. My God. I, I need sponsors. Not <laughs> – like, uh, by the way, if I show up dead tomorrow by any chance, <laughs> this is your last interview. <laughs> I would like Corbin, if you care for me at all, I would like you to investigate any of the people involved in horse racing and gambling, please. In case, in case I disappear, that tomorrow. in China is going to be after you too, and Carol Baskin, Joe. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, come on, Carol Baskin, come oh. for me, bro. Come at me, bro. I can't. I uh, oh, I, I filmed a funny video. And anyway, I'm not going to post it because I'm like, man, I just have to stay out of this. Anyway, okay, so go ahead, Joe. You had a very good point regarding this. Yeah, I, I just, you know, where are the PETA people? Are they at the racetrack? Because I, I don't know because I don't go to the racetrack. I mean, I've been to the racetrack. I've been to the horse races when I was younger. <clears throat> My dad loved the horses. Uh, and he, you know, he introduced me to wildlife. But my dad was also a hunter. But the day he took me out hunting and shot his first quail and I cried. Oh. He stopped hunting animals that day, but he still liked to gamble on the horses and he never stopped that. But, um, I never really put two and two together until I started getting into conservation. I'm like, wait a minute. They won't want people to get on a horse. I mean, on a elephant, take a picture, you know, but there's people riding on the backs of animals and hitting them as hard as they possibly could in the ass, you know, until they're almost at the point of, you know, having a heart attack. And some people, you know, will argue, oh, they were bred for that. Nonsense. They weren't bred for that. You know, I mean, they're a species of animal. They weren't bred for anything but to be beautiful. They're beautiful animals, you know. Um, that's that's my take on this, that. This <laughs> is a very, I think uh, my next roundtable discussion will have to be about horse races because I've, I, I, this sounds so naive of me and I apologize, but I'm fully admitting I've never thought of it like that. You Ever. know what? Ever. I, I did either until a couple of years ago and I'm, because I had actually made plans and said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, we should go to the racetrack. You know what? It's a lot of fun. You 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 know bet two dollars or you can bet two two thousand dollars and you you know you have some fun sometimes at the ra the racetracks around here they'll have bands play in between and I'm like it's pretty cool and then I sat and and she may have been the one to bring it up to me and I sat back and I'm like wait a minute there's on top of an animal hitting it in the ass with a, a whip a whip cool whip a whip and and and. And people are paying to see this. So that's not animal exploitation. You know, like it's so obvious that it's like, duh, you know, I, I just I, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even fathom that I, nobody has even said anything about this. You know, like, you know, uh, every other little thing you hear about, you know, people will be like, 
um, you know, that whole movie Blackfish about, you know, the orcas in captivity. Okay. And here's, you know, here's a surprising take on it. I keep touching this mouse. That's why the screen gets darker and lighter. I don't know why, but Blackfish was like the Tiger King, you know, version, but about orcas, about keeping orcas in captivity. Okay. So they showed the documentary about how these orcas are exploited, you know, and how they are mistreated, you know, and how their lives are, you know, so miserable. But yet, in the wild, an orca would live a certain number of years, and then they have natural predators, including, guess who? Humans, okay? So we're killing orcas, but people are complaining that a few of them are kept in these places like SeaWorld, right? Now, SeaWorld, they didn't put in, in Blackfish, they didn't put all the good stuff that SeaWorld does, like how many turtles and sea lions and orcas and dolphins and whales, they rehabilitate every year when they are found injured and they release them into the wild. Thousands, they just, thousands and thousands. Thousands, tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it all, it all depends on who you get behind the the project the you know the picture the you know the show like in like i said in in the case of the tiger king you know he admitted this is not the show that i started the show that i started was on this smuggler this reptile smuggler this notorious reptile smuggler and the next thing i know i'm involved in a murder mystery where a, a a human has disappeared a woman's raising tigers People are claiming all sorts of things, and he's like, it went from one thing to a complete other thing. And, you know, I think Blackfish was kind of like that, too, where they just wanted you to think that all whales in captivity and all dolphins and sharks, they're all so mistreated, you know? Listen, these guys, they have these beautiful pools, and granted, it's not the ocean. I understand it's not as big as the ocean, but it's real ocean water being you know, continuously pumped in, they're being fed like kings, you know, there may be the exception where an uh, occasional keeper has maybe mistreated them or abused them. I'm not denying that. But in general, I think SeaWorld and, um, and, and places like that have done so much for conservation that that was overlooked by that movie. Well, and I'll you tell know? you what, so being from Idaho, I'm obviously in a landlocked state. I remember visiting family in Florida and SeaWorld was the only place I ever saw animals like orcas and other dolphins and sharks firsthand. I mean, I did, I would never have been introduced to this world if it were not for SeaWorld. I mean, truly though. And mil- how, how do we learn to love or conserve something? We learn by seeing, you know, people read books and that's fantastic, but I wasn't nearly as blown away by the first time I saw a bat live i was like what it's true they hang upside down and 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 look at them they're actually cute and it was like all this stuff but how would those millions upon millions of people that visited SeaWorld? how would they even know to help or to want to help orcas killer whales dolphins porpoise anything you want to call it how would they even know without SeaWorld? so 
you know, that's my position on it. You know, again, you know, you've done podcasts on it, you know, on uh, the place of zoos in the world, you yeah. know, and animals in captivity. We were slated to do one called to zoo or not to zoo. That was going to be our, our, our show. And right before it was, we were scheduled to do it right before, um, the week before all this blew up, this pandemic blew up. So we had a fellow who was a dear friend of mine who is a former zookeeper and a famous author from the Bronx Zoo. Everybody was slated, and I had to call it because of the uh, the coronavirus. So well, hopefully that will come out within the next you know month or two. Yeah, let's let, you know. Let's hope we can get back well, to it because well. it's still a discussion. And do you know? Um, I know that you did a podcast very similar to that where you, you why did something. Matter. Yep, why is why matter? Yeah, why matter? Right, right. This actually, this idea, you know how it came to me? A group of fifth graders in January when I was sick came here, 40 of them. Oh, God, I hope they're all okay. But <laughs> You're admitting on <laughs> 40 kids came here and they were fifth graders <clears throat> And they actually were from a debate group, and their debate was, should animals be kept in zoos or not? So I had such a great time because of that program, and those kids were so intelligent and so smart that I said, duh, you know, this is great. Let's do this at the center. I invited my friend from the Bronx Zoo, some of our friends from uh, Berg County Zoo and um, Flat Rock Brook Nature Center. Um, they were going to bring some raptors and we were going to have some of our uh, native species here. And um, we were just going to go through the debate and there was nothing that was off topic or off limit. And I, I think it's still a great subject of debate as long as people um, just like presidential candidates, as long as people keep an open mind and listen to the facts and try not to hurt other people with their feelings. You know, I, re I respect people when they say animals shouldn't be in captivity. But if I come to your house and I see a hamster or a dog or a cat. <laughs> what about a fish? <laughs> a fish. <laughs> fish is falling for that category, too. Yeah. You know, let's. Look at look at look at what happened in the pet trade when Finding Nemo came out. Oh like yeah, it, it exploded, and people were buying clownfish and putting them in goldfish bowls. Some some stores were telling me, and I was like, ah, yeah. people as humans are so stupid. We are such a dumb species. And you know what happened? The last dumb species became extinct as well. Dinosaurs. <laughs> I love dinosaurs, but they're as dumb as rocks. Okay, they didn't have big brains. It was common knowledge, you know. They, 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 you know, they just weren't the smartest. Joe, you're not, let, you're not leaving anyone alone. The people of China, the <laughs> Andrew Zimmerman, dinosaurs. I have, I have dear friends that are paleontologists. Chris, the Piazza, all my friends over at the Museum of Natural History. They're gonna all be on the phone with me later, you know, after this airs, and be like, "What's wrong with you?" Oh and I'm gonna, my god. So listen, the facts are that we are stupid, and if we do not correct ourselves, we are going to wind up like the dinosaurs. So I'm, I'm using humor to say, like, we are the next dumb species to go extinct because we weren't smart enough to take care of this planet that was given to us. We, we took it for, for you know, every advantage that we could. We took it for granted, and now we are seeing, like, nightmare sci-fi, you know, issues because of it.
You know, it's our fault. This whole pandemic is our fault. Well, I feel yeah. like it is going to help wildlife trafficking. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you agree? It's going to probably, it's definitely put a, it's put a spotlight on it because a lot of people are shocked when they saw like, oh my gosh, this happens. A lot of people don't realize that bats are being oh, boiled alive no, and turtles are being hacked up. And so people are like, no. wait, this happens. This isn't like, you know, this happens every day, every second. Something's being, you know. Oh, yeah. And, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, have you heard uh, of uh, this lovely young woman, Ocean Ramsey? Yes, I'm trying to get her on okay. my show. Yep, yep. So, you know, her and her team are just incredible. And her documentary was amazing called Saving Jaws. Um, and it centered in on not only how she is like the only person that will free swim without a cage with great white sharks and tiger sharks that were formerly known as, quote, the man eaters of the sea. But she has also gone undercover in Asia to show the markets mm. and how bad the shark fin trade is and the, the act of finning and how barbaric it is where they cut off a live shark's fins and then throw the body back overboard where it can't swim, where it can't get away to defend itself, mm. and it just drowns. People are, for the most part, a lot of people are unaware you know, of this going on. And I'm glad that we have the internet now and we have this programming where you can't get away with the shit you used to be. You I, know, I, I agree. I'm happy we have social media to put a spotlight because that shark fin, that's a whole different, that's a whole yes. different topic. That's so disgusting. Um, it really is. A lot of states here are passing laws now where they're making it illegal to buy sell or trade or even serve shark fin soup but in florida where it's like a major you can, port you can get it in still, florida I, I think i think in certain parts they can oh. and you know i got a little problem let's put this on my list of problems tonight let's okay. see who else hold i on. saw we have china let's see. we have andrew have zimmerman china? hold on dinosaurs carol dinosaurs. baskin Jockeys, jockeys. Horse jockeys oh horse jo oh yeah casinos the presidents right. why not let's throw it all to hell okay so, who else do we have why don't you throw in florida and i don't mean floridians but i mean i want you to put florida on that list because here's the problem florida okay why is it legal for these people that are known convicted felons that means they spent time in jail for selling and trading and importing protected species. That translates into smuggling, boys and girls. Why do they allow these people that have had convictions to allow them to reopen and continue the same business? Now, what happens with a convicted pedophile here in the United States? They do their jail time, and when they're let out, they have to register as a sex offender and they are not allowed to work in a daycare center. Or so why Chuck do we allow people? Yeah. Right. So why are all these exotics people that we saw on Tiger King? Why are these people that were convicted in the exotic animal trade now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It it's has to do with, with, with your local governments. And that's what we talked about in this round table is people could get mad at Joe exotic. They could get mad at, you know, Carol Baskin. They could get mad at all these characters, but when it comes down to it, look at your local law, look at your government, write a, write a letter. I mean, it really comes down to it because everything they did, the majority of the things in Tiger King were legal. It was legal for him to have those cats in Oklahoma. 
So, yeah, each state, and that's what's great about the United States is that none of us are united. So <laughs> they, call, they call our country the United States, but we can't, we can't have, you know, venomous snakes. But if you travel over the border to Pennsylvania, you can buy it like you're buying, you know, an ice cream cone. Or you can buy, you know, my friend told me the other day we were talking about the Tiger King show and my friends from Pennsylvania. And... I was like, he told me he had an AK-47, and I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's like, amongst other things. And uh, and I said, so, all right, so, I mean, what do you do? You just go in? And he goes, no, no, you know, you, you, you have to have a waiting period like you guys. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, so in New Jersey, I think the waiting period is like 30 or 60 or 90 days. I don't know what it is, but we have a waiting period after you fill out your forms and have a background check. And I'm like, so what is it? What's the waiting period in uh, Pennsylvania? 30, 60, 90? He goes, no, it's like 10 or 20. I'm like, days? He goes, no, minutes. Oh. You wait at the counter. They run a background <laughs> check on you. And if it comes up clean, you got your, your gun. And I'm not kidding. So it's the same thing with exotic animals. You know, you can go across state lines and get yourself a cobra if you want, you know, in Pennsylvania at these shows. Just like you can go to Ohio and buy a tiger. And the thing is, we either have to come together with our laws as a country, or it's just going to be absolute mayhem. And that's what you're seeing, you know, absolute mayhem. You know, we, either we all agree that it's a good idea to have a tiger on your property, or we all agree that it's not a good idea, you know. And I do understand that everybody clings to, you know, the, um, uh, the Constitution, you know, as far as guns and as far as your rights and all that stuff. But things have changed so drastically from the time the Constitution was drafted. Do you think when the Constitution was drafted, do you think they knew that we would have guns that could fire hundreds of rounds per second? You know, mm -hmm. so things change. And I'm a guy that says, yes, we should have the right to bear arms and, and to arm ourselves. But you have to at some point say, Okay, but what what really makes sense? Do I need a gun that's going to fire off 300 rounds in a second, you know, that could kill, you know, so many people? So we have to we have to we have to keep conversations open. We have to make laws that make sense. Um, and I don't know how the exotic animal trade and the gun trade went hand in hand, but everybody in that damn documentary had a firearm and they weren't even concealing it. It was right on their side. You know, yeah. one guy, that big doofus slept with it under his pillow, he said, or under his mattress. Bhagavan, what, that, that, that guy, he was the most ridiculous out of all of them. <laughs> Put him on my list too. Okay. Put him on Joe, they, Doc, they, Doc <laughs> Doc Bhagavan, thank you so much for coming on. We're well past an hour. Um, seriously, you got you... anything to do, buddy? You got oh, some serious I'm not, I'm not taking anything out. I think I want to keep this raw. I think it's good. I think we touched on a lot of points, and I really appreciate your insight. And I want to say I appreciate what you do, bringing bats to you know schools and to libraries and spreading a very you know you know education and, and a conservation message because. You, people like you were needed and i just i really sincerely thank you for doing that because you're putting you're putting out a good word for bats and they need a good pr i mean i mean my god now more than, more ever. than ever yeah again you know it's like you know i have had 
people, you know, come past our center or come through one of my programs and make a face and be like, ew. And I'm like, thank you. It's because of ignorance of like people like you that I actually have a career, you know, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I a living. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being ignorant. That's going to be on the back of our next T-shirts, by the way. I'm buying Thanks it. for your ignorance. Thanks for your ignorance. Awesome, Joe. Well, thank you so much. How and I will put the links in the podcast notes where people notes where people can find your information uh, for Facebook and also your your website. And if you are in the area in the New York area, definitely go visit the Wildlife uh, Wildlife Conservation Center. And Joe, next time I'm in New York, I really want to try to make it up to you or make it out to you guys. Absolutely. I hope so, my friend. And I hope um, it will be in the very, very near future. And, and uh, I wish you and all your listeners well. Stay well, stay healthy, stay informed and, uh, you know, stay cool. And thank you again for having us. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, Joe. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.